If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Acts chapter 19. And uh, hello, who's, who, I need, I need to hear from our One Cause Dallas tonight. Where are you in the building? All right, we got a handful here tonight. Amen. Part of our southern family is here with us tonight. Acts chapter 19, let's get into it. Are you ready? Verse 1, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth. And you remember Apollos had just been given greater revelation of the scriptures from Priscilla and Aquila toward the end of chapter 18. He was a very accurate, eloquent teacher of the word. And they came and taught him the more accurate way. And that, that accurate way was, had to do with his, all that he knew was up to the baptism of John the Baptist. And so they came and preached what came after John, which is really what the whole book is all about. <laughs> Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Redeemer of Israel, and the one who would save the whole world by shedding his own blood. And they taught him more accurately from the scripture. So we're coming here to verse one. So far, I'm not on a good track to finish this thing tonight. Okay, while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed. So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Now, my Pentecostal upbringing, that busts a, busts a spring with me. I'm like, you never heard whether there is a Holy Spirit? We call him the Holy Ghost. <laughs> we have not so much as heard whether he, there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. That is, they basically had the same revelation that Apollos had had prior to this. They were disciples of John, and they, John was the bridge prophet, remember? He was the one that connected the old and the new covenant. He was the one who said, prepare the way of the Lord. Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world, the one who made the way straight for Christ. And so, into, they, they said into John's baptism. That is, and Paul says, John did baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, it's interesting that they heard this. Why is that important to hear that? Because faith comes by hearing. All right? Faith comes by. They heard. What did they hear? Well, Paul, I think this probably gives just a little synopsis of what Paul actually told them. I'm sure that he explained a little bit to them about Christ died for your sins. He was buried, and he rose again the third day. All right? So they heard the gospel is what they heard. They heard about Jesus. They believed on him. And, and then they were baptized uh, following that. And then watch this. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with... Come on, say it like you actually believe it. They spoke with tongues and prophesied. It's funny. It's funny how this is still so... Tongues? <laughs> I don't know about that. Too many churches, too many people, too many tongue talkers have shut their mouths. They've become intimidated by, by, this, by the world. They've become in, in, intimidated by man's philosophy. And so we have to be, we have to be bold in our spirit-filled life. All right? And, and to not be ashamed. Hey, listen to me. Hey, is it weird? Heck yeah, it's weird. Let's just get over that, though, all right? Remember what I talked to you about before? Why is it that tongue seems to be the choke point for so many believers, but they'll believe that a virgin... A virgin had a baby by God? That's not weird enough, right? I mean, how, how is it that tongues is the problem? All right? The whole thing is weird, all right? 
take the whole thing, hook, line, and sinker, the whole thing, all right? Everything that God offers us, everything that God gives to us, right? And we also believe that Jesus died on the cross, and by what he did, we get off scot-free for every sin that we've ever committed. Well, how convenient for us to believe something like that. What a re- I want to be part of that religion. You're totally free. Jesus got blamed for what you did. Every wrong, stinking, nasty thing you ever did, Brandon, Jesus got all the blame for it. And he said, you're free. You're righteous. I don't, I don't know how to explain a love like that except I say, thank you very much. I receive it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Because that's a love that's unconditional. That's a love that doesn't have strings attached. It doesn't say, if you, I do this, you do that. If I'm good, then you do it. No, God's good because that's who he is. He just chose to love us. He chose. He just chose. He just chose to love us. He just chose to forgive us. He chose to make us alive in Christ. While we were dead in sin, while we were shaking our fists in heaven in defiance at this God, God demonstrated his love to us. He put all his, he, he risked everything. He risked everything. Praise God. I can't get over that kind of love. I just can't get over this gospel that saves us. I can't get over the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul believed it was important. And we need to continue to believe that this is important for our lives, that not only do we have this indwelling experience with the Spirit of God, that's the moment you, are, you become a child of God. The Spirit of the living God comes and lives on the inside of you. John chapter 4, John, uh, Jesus told the woman at the well that it was, a, it was a fountain springing up unto everlasting life. But then there was another experience to have with the Holy Spirit. All right? There's another experience to have. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Well, had they? Had they received the Holy Spirit when they believed? Well, sure they had. The indwelling, but there's an ondwelling coming. There's an ondwelling experience to have, and this is what happened. It says, when he laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came up on them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Hey, this is, this is good, 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 good stuff. Indwelling, ondwelling, I don't care what kind of dwelling, God, I want it. Whatever dwelling you have to give. And it says, now the men were about 12 in all. And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly. Remember, this is Paul's tradition. Every time he comes into a new city, he always goes into a tabernacle, a temple, uh, the synagogue, whatever, wherever the Jews meet. And he first brings the gospel to them because that's how it came, right? We got in on this thing, thank God. Because the Jews had rejected this message originally, so God then invited us to come in and grafted us in to this tree, amen, to this vine. But here he said, remember Romans chapter 1, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first, or to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. All right, so that's why he was going to the synagogue first. We've talked about this, okay? Spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom. But when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. Everybody say Tyrannus. Tyrannus. I wonder if his middle name is Rex. It's kind of interesting. I, I, I did quite a bit of study on this, on the school of Tyrannus, because I'm like, who is Tyrannus? They left the synagogue to be in there and, and went over to the school of Tyrannus. Well, the historians don't really have much to say about Tyrannus. They think that either 
either he was a companion or, a, or a, uh, an acquaintance of Paul who invited him to come over and, and use his school facility to continue to reason the scriptures, or he was, he was a, an instructor there or, or owned the school itself, or, he, um, or maybe he had been long gone and they had named that school after him because he was a legacy there, whatever it might be. Uh, but the word school here is interesting. The word school actually means leisure. It, uh, in, the, in the Greek word, it's the word skole, S-C-H-O-L-E, and it means as vacation from physical employment. Now, if you were to ask my kids what school was, they would not say that it is a vacation from physical employment. All right? So this, this kind of school, that historians believe that, this, that the hours of the day had to do with the kind of schooling that Paul was doing with these guys. Somewhere between 11 and 4 in the afternoon when men took breaks, or as the Mexicanos say, siestas. All right? That from 11 to 4, they had this kind of leisure time, and that's when they could fo- focus on their hobbies or whatever it might be. And so then they would come, and in their leisure, they would learn, and they would chill with Paul. I would like to chill with Paul. And then I looked up the word tyrannous, and it's kind of interesting. It means tyrant. All right, now I don't know what mother in her right mind would name her son to be tyrant. I mean, they don't usually get that name from mom until they're about two years old. So historians don't believe that this was actually his given name, but probably a nickname that the students gave him. Isn't that interesting? We do know that Paul was given permission for these two years to discuss and to reason and to teach. And verse 10 says this, And this continued for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Uh, So whatever, listen to this. Look what happened. All who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord. So this is no ordinary school going on. This isn't just people showing up at a building and learning something and going home. They're taking what they got and they're lighting fires everywhere they go. All right? So whatever was going on at the school of Tyrannus was, was highly effective, and the gospel was being preached all over the place. It makes me think of Christ for the Nations. That's where I went and graduated in 1991. Whoop, whoop. And uh, it's, it's, I would say that's kind of a modern-day school of Tyrannus. My dad, years ago, uh, we used to support a missionary to Albania named Larry Mosley. Remember Larry Mosley, Brandon? Uh, and Larry... Uh, would come and preach at our church, and we were downtown, and uh, we, we were connected with him through the former pastor, and uh, just a great guy. And, and Larry had graduated from Rama Bible Institute in um, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so he got to know my dad a little bit. He's like, what's up with you CF&I people? He said, what? He said, man, I travel all over the world, especially Albania, but I'm, I, I've been all over the world. And he said, everywhere I've gone, I've run into Christ for the nation, students or alumni. And he said, these guys have their sleeves rolled up. They're building buildings. They're building churches. They're building missions. They're feeding the hungry. He said, what's up with that? Dad's like, well, I'm sure there are Rhema guys around there too. He goes, no, they're all waiting in line to try to get full-time jobs in a cushy church in America. Now, I'm not saying that. I'm just repeating what this guy said. I, I highly respect Rama, uh, But, uh, you know, we all meet here. Like tonight, we meet here regularly. We meet here Sundays. We meet here Wednesdays. And, and we reason the scriptures together, and we get full of the scriptures so that we are all well-equipped to go out here huh, and, and bring this good news wherever we go. Jesus said, freely you have received. Freely give. Amen. 
Let's continue. Verse 11. Now God worked unusual. Everybody say unusual. Unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. And this is what unusual miracles look like. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick. It's like an Elvis concert. (laughs) And the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. Wow. That's unusual. That is unusual. You go, hang on, stay there, Paul. Slap my little apron. Put it on Candace. Oh, come out. I'm, I'm, no, I mean, or be healed of your disease, whatever it might be. Just, just, put, a, just put a napkin on her or an, or, an, or an apron on her and get set free. Isn't that incredible? It's an unusual miracle. Now, I love this about our God. This shows us that he is limitless in his ability to heal us and to deliver us. Limitless. And it also shows us that he has a great desire to do it. That he'll do anything. Well, just give me a napkin. I'll get you healed. God's healing power can be received lots of ways. One, we, you know, we know the number one way is by faith, right? I mean, we, we have several examples through the scripture where Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. Or just, how about the faith of the one who's actually doing the praying? That's important. That's important. Sometimes the, the person is, doesn't have the ability. Let's say that there's a dead guy, right? How's the dead guy going to have faith, right? This guy has to have faith to raise the dead guy, all right? Or agreement. Jesus said if two or three agree as touching anything, it shall be done. There's lots of ways to receive healing. How about the laying on of hands? These signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out devils. They will speak in new tongues. They will Lay hands on the sick and they will recover. All right? Uh, James talks about another avenue to receiving your healing is, is coming to the elders of the church and having them pray the prayer of faith and anointing you with oil. And, and what the cool thing is, it says, and if, he's forgiven, uh, and if he's committed any sins, he'll be forgiven them. The gift of faith spoken of uh, is, is one that comes on you at that moment just by, dis, by the Holy Spirit's choosing to dispense the gift. The gift of faith comes. Like I told you the story about the girl who called me, the lady who called me, because she, was, she had been believing God to have a good natural, uh, a good pregnancy, a good from, from start to finish. And she was really new to the way we think, the way we believe, the way we preach the Word of God. Uh, but she grabbed a hold of it, and she said, I'm believing God for just this whole thing to go well and to have the baby with no complications. Well, guess what? She gets to the hospital, and things get complicated. And she, so she calls me, and she says, I need you to get to the hospital right now. I'm about to have this baby. And they said the baby's breech. Uh, that he's in a critical time right now. But I told them I'm not going to have a C-section like they were advising me to do. I need you to come here, Pastor, and lay hands on me. No pressure, right? Okay, so I'm like, oh, okay, oh, all right. So I uh, jumped in the car and drove to the hospital, and there she was laying on her back, and her tummy's way up here. And I have to tell you, um, I really wasn't feeling all that strong in faith about this. I was feeling nervous. I was. I was feeling nervous about this deal. Because this is a young Christian, you know, and I'm thinking, God, you really got to help me here. I don't want this girl's faith to get shipwrecked if this doesn't go. Amen. So your word is true. You see her faith. Help. Help me right now. So I got there, prayed in the Holy Spirit, 
a lot. Got to the hospital, walked in there, and there she is. Hey, Pastor. And it was the cutest thing. Big old tummy. Come over here. Hurry, hurry, hurry. <laughs> so I'm like, it's awkward, you know. Like, put, uh, okay. Here we go. I said, all right. You're not allowed to go the wrong way. You need to turn around in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, the moment, the moment I said that, I had this confidence come over me like I, there was just a knowing. And I, all of a sudden I felt that, just like that, the stomach shift, just like that. And I said, I think it just happened. And so the nurse comes in and she checks her and she says, there's the head, let's go. You're going to have this baby naturally. Just like that. Baby just flipped over. And it was awesome. I have to say, I feel like that was a gift of faith for me that wasn't me strong in faith. All right, gift of miracles is another way that uh, many receive healing. How about medicine? Medicine is another avenue to your healing. God has given us the ability to, to form. Now, I'm talking about medicine where, you know, you don't have a commercial that advertises it and the next half hour of the commercial is telling you all the side effects and the what-ifs. I'm talking about medicine that actually does good for you. Like, you know, Paul told Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach and for your frequent infirmities. Right? Now, now the old school era caller is going to say, no, Paul, you just lay hands on him and he gets healed. Why didn't the apostle Paul just lay hands on him and he get healed? Because Paul obviously knew God had already provided a way for that man to receive healing just by drinking some wine. Duh. Isn't this beautiful? All right, so God has given us the ability through medicine to be healed as well. And then, then this, this thing, unusual miracles. Just in case we think we've got it all figured out, he's got, I've got unusual miracles. Yeah, you don't get to calculate those. You don't get to formulate those. Amen. Verse 13. Then some of the itinerant Jews, Jewish exorcists, took it upon themselves. This is, this, is this is a sad and hilarious story. Took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. All right? Also, there were, and apparently it worked until here. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. Actually, he's got a British accent. Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. But who the hell are you? <laughs> they cuss. Demons cuss. I don't know if you all know. <laughs> hey, even... Even the demons, even the demons know how authority works. They said, now, now Jesus has given us plenty of black eyes, and Paul has done so, but who are you? We haven't even heard your name. They know who does have authority, and they know who doesn't have authority. These guys are just stupid. They're just stupid. See, they think that because they're pastor's kids, they can go cast out devils. I'm a pastor's kid. I knew I couldn't do that until, uh, you know, until I turned five and finally got saved. <laughs> or they assume, or they assume if Paul can, 
then so can we. Mm-mm. But see, they haven't walked in the footsteps Paul has walked in, and they have not got in line with the authority that Paul has gotten in line with. And they're about to figure out the difference of being religious and being a Christian. Okay? If you're a Christian, you have the authority. It's not something you have to work for. And If you're a Christian, you have the name that is above every name. All right? It's that simple. Yeah, but I'm a backslidden Christian. Okay. You can still cast out devils. My dad did it to me. My dad was backslidden. He cast the devil out of me when I was about two years old. He wasn't walking with God. It got him straightened out, though. How old was he, 19? 18 or 19 years old? 19. And I used to, uh, I used to throw these fits and pass out, hold my breath and pass out. And uh, so that my parents didn't know what to do, right? They're freaked out. My Pentecostal grandmother knew what to do. <laughs> Hair down to here. And she said, uh, John, you know what this is. And my dad's like, okay. She goes, you know what to do. He says, <laughs> Mama, I ain't walking with God. I don't know what to do here. And he, oh, let me, let me say what happened when they got to this point. When I was about to pass out, my dad threw me under a cold shower right, to try to shock me to, to not pass out. Well, he said, I just went catatonic. And so I'm just staring off in the, the distance like I'm watching TV. This is what Heather says I look like. <laughs> Something like that. And, and so he's, he's hollering my name, Eric, Eric! And I'm, just, I'm not responding, I'm just... And so he takes me in the bedroom and starts whipping me. That's the next thing. He didn't know what else to do. Starts whipping me. So if I can inflict pain, maybe he'll, he'll come out of this. Never moved. He said, I beat you until I was ashamed of myself, and you are not responding. Then my grandmother said, you know what this is, and you need to cast this devil out of him. And he said, I can't do that. Because he was afraid in his backslidden state the devil's going to leap out on him, right? That's, that's usually the fear. He'd read that Seven Sons of Sceva story. He's like, I don't want any of that. She said, do it, John. You have the authority to do it. So he did it. He said, in Jesus' name, I command the Spirit to let go of my son in Jesus' name. And just, just like that, I began to weep from the pain of the whipping <laughs> and from being cold from the shower. <laughs> I was set free. These guys are not Christians. These are religious fanatics. All right? Verse 16, watch this. Look what happens when religious people try to mess with the devil. Then the man in whom the, devil, the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them. How many of them that were there? Seven against one. So that, that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This guy tore them to pieces, man. That's humiliating. What happened to you? Got beat up by the devil. I mean, if, you've, if you come to me and say, well, the devil's really been beating up on me, well, I would say you need to have that experience first, but don't come and see me in that state, all right? Make sure you're clothed. But 
Man, I don't know what the heck was going on there. Okay, verse, let's just keep going. This, verse 17, this became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. Now watch, and fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. This is powerful. The name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many who believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them and it totaled. 50,000 pieces of silver. That's a lot of Harry Potter books. 50,000 pieces of silver, all right? Now watch. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. What? Because why? Because they, these people are waking up. There is an awakening going on. This, this, they're, they, they're, they're all trying to conjure up some kind of power. They're, they're trying to manipulate a power. They, 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 want, they have the, the form of godliness, but yet they deny the power thereof. And then these guys come, and they start preaching about this name that is above every name. And they see Paul, and they see him casting out devils. So they say, well, we just need to do what Paul did. I cast you out by Paul. And no, that's not it, man. you got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe that he died for your sins. Believe that God raised him from the dead. At that moment, you have every resource from heaven in your life flowing through your life. When they saw that power, man, they said, shine all this junk, man. I want Jesus. I want the real power. The gospel is the power. All right? Verse 21, when these things were accomplished, Paul proposed, proposed, purposed in the spirit when he had passed uh, through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I've been there, I must also see Rome, verse 22. So he went into Macedonia, two of those, I'm sorry, so he sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus. What a name, huh? But he himself stayed in Asia for a time. And about that time there arose a great commotion about the way. There's always commotions being raised about the way, aren't there? We found that out of reading the book of Acts, that where these guys go, man, they stir it up, don't they? Okay, verse 24. For a certain man named uh, Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Diana, brought no small profit to the craftsmen. He called them together with the workers of similar occupation and said, Men, you know that we have our prosperity by this trade. Moreover, you see and hear that not only at Ephesus but throughout almost all Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away many people saying that they are not gods which are made with hands. So not only is this trade of ours in danger of falling into dis- disrepute, but also the temple of the great goddess Diana may be sup- despised and her magnificence destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worship. Whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. These guys are having a large, large impact. And these who are profiting on these so-called gods are now saying, whoa, whoa, our business is about to go out of business. Our whole, our whole sham is about to be over. So we've got to do something. Because this thing's heading our way. And when they heard this, they were full of wrath and cried out saying, Greatest dying of the Ephesians! Yeah, there's religion again. Just unreasonable. Just unreasonable. So the whole city was filled with confusion and rushed into the theater with one accord, having seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians, Paul's travel companions. Verse 30, and when Paul wanted to go into the people, the disciples would not allow him. Then some of the officials of Asia, who were his friends, sent to him, pleading that he would not venture into the They knew if Paul went in there, those people would rip him to pieces. 
All right? Some therefore cried one thing and some another, for the assembly was confused. Now, who's the author of confusion? Huh? Okay. And they were confused, and most of them did not know why they had come together. They just saw the mob running into this theater. They're like, yeah, all right, there must be a great movie showing. Or I don't know what, what was going on. So they all get in there, and some are crying out, great is dying of the Ephesians. Others are going, what? what are we doing here? There's all this confusion going on. But when they had found out, uh, and they drew Alexander out of the multitude, the Jews putting him forward. And Alexander motioned with his hand and wanted to take, make his defense to the people. But when they found out that he was a Jew, all with one voice cried out for about two hours. Two hours. Great is Diana of the Ephesians. And when the city clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, Men of Ephesus, what man is there who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is temple garden of the great goddess Diana and of the image which fell down from Zeus? Therefore, since these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rashly. This guy's got some wisdom now. Once again, we see the devil, as always, overplaying his hand. All right, And that is, if they truly believe that this goddess, this Diana, is great, why raise such a stir? Why be threatened? Why be bothered? This is what he's saying. What's the point of all this? If you believe that she is who you think she is, or she's, you, what do you got to worry about? It's that controlling religious spirit that is screaming to keep the people bound up. It's that roaring of the want-to-be lion for fear of the real lion. For you have brought these men here who are neither robbers of temples nor blasphemers of your goddess. Therefore, if Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a case against anyone, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another. We have three verses left. But if you have any other inquiry to make, it shall be determined in the lawful assembly. For we are in danger of being called in question for today's uproar. There being no reason which we may give uh, to account for this disorderly gathering. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. So in a, in a nutshell, the heart of man, the heart of man-made religion, I should say, is, is basically unreasonable. All right? Because it's from the enemy, first of all. He's, the, he's, the, he's the, the daddy of religion. Remember what Jesus told the disciples? Or not the disciples, the Pharisees in John chapter 8. These are Jewish Pharisees. And they said, who, who are you to say, who, uh, uh, you shall know the truth and truth shall, you shall, set, shall set you free? We're, we're not bound up, we're free. And then they get in this dispute and Jesus tells them, if, if Abraham were your father, then you would have rejoiced to see my day. He rejoiced to see my day. Then you would accept what I'm saying to you. As a matter of fact, you're of your father, the devil. All right? Because he was a liar from the beginning, and he's the father of it. And so he's the father of you because religion is just a lie. In the very beginning, God said this. After Adam and Eve and the snake were all caught red-handed, he says to Eve that her seed, he's going to put enmity between, I told the devil actually, enmity between her seed and his seed. That, so she had a seed, which was 
prophesied to be Jesus, and he had a seed also called the religious system. All right? The heart of man made religion is, is unreasonable. So Jesus told the Pharisees their traditions would make the word of God of no effect. Their traditions make the word of God. Is there anything more powerful than the word of God? Yeah, men's traditions. Yeah. Render it of no effect. No value. So when the gospel is preached, the hornet's nest gets disturbed. People that are bound by it can't help but act out. And I want to tell you today, don't be afraid or intimidated. Just know, it's just the darkness trembling at the power of the light. All right, so shine on. Shine on. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. This world needs to know, first and foremost, that God loves them. God so loved them, he gave everything he had in his son, Jesus. All right? It doesn't do us any good going around telling people what sinners they are. Hey, I think they got that figured out. They need to know about Jesus. They need to, they need to hear that Christ died for their sins. And that he was buried and he rose again three days later. And whoever believes on him will receive everlasting life. And that he so loves them and he wants to have a relationship with them. That he paid the highest price to be in their life. And to walk with them in this earth. And to show them his goodness and his love for all eternity. It's glorious. It's a glorious love. It's a glorious story. All right, And it's one that sets people free. I know it set me free and continues to set me free. The amazing love of God. That he looked beyond. Was that song? How's the song go? All my faults and saw my need. My need for him. And I want to say hello to Pastor Kip McCarty, who just returned from Swaziland. You remember that he was there ministering to pastors. And we're going to have him share very soon. Maybe next Wednesday have you share some with us. Would you mind doing that? No, the next Wednesday. Yeah, you come next Wednesday. It'll be great. Stand out in the parking lot. <laughs> Two weeks. Have you come? Yeah, we'd love to hear the report. He, had, he, already, he came in here already bubbling over, telling me some things that, that happened there in Africa. I'm, I'm excited uh, to hear from him. Amen. And a lot of you were praying and, and uh, gave to help uh, with the missions, and thank you for that. So, uh, want to be able to hear a report from him. Amen. Thank you all for being here tonight. Let's stand together. Father, I want to say thank you for all these who are here tonight. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us a new life. And your, your word says that every day our, we are being renewed. That is our inner man. That new creation in Christ is being renewed day by day, even though our outward man is perishing. If we thank you, Lord, that in you there's always newness so that we, we never get held down or bound by even failures and mistakes and sins, Lord, and setbacks, those things. No, because we serve a God who is in the now, who is in the new. And we thank you, Lord, that old things are passed away and all things are made new today. You're not 
just the God of another chance. You're the God of many chances, many new beginnings, many fresh starts, God. We thank you. And we see that every day when we see the sun come up and a new day dawn, we are reminded, yes, God, your mercies are new every morning. And that, God, causes something to rise up in us to want to love you back, to want to return, to want to return something to you out of gratitude for your love that has so enraptured us, so captured us. Father, I thank you for your blessing upon all these who hear. And I declare what your word says over them, that no evil shall befall them, and no plague shall come near their dwelling. You give your angels charge over them to keep them in all of their ways. The precious blood of Jesus cleanses them and covers their lives. I thank you, Lord, that they have in them. They are reconciled of God, and they also have the ministry of reconciliation, Father. It is, as Paul said, as though God were pleading through us, be reconciled to God. I thank you that they carry this message from here tonight, and Lord, they deliver this letter of love to someone who so desperately needs to hear of this great God and His great love for us. In the name of Jesus, I thank you that their sleep is peaceful, Because your word says we will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make us dwell in safety. I declare all of their children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be their peace. Your people are established in righteousness, therefore they are far from terror and far from oppression. It shall not even come near them. No weapon formed against them will prosper. Every tongue that rises up against them in judgment, they shall condemn. In the name of Jesus, we give you all the glory and all the praise. And it's in Jesus' name that we thank you. Amen and amen. Praise God. Love you. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 a.m., 11 a.m., or 1 p.m., and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Please visit onecausechurch.com for location and events. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at One Cause Church. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, you can now donate securely online. Just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.